Welcome everyone to episode 70 of the Red Diamond Courier. I am your host here with you as always, Bob Chichinsky, here with my good friend Dog Bark24. How you doing this week, my dude? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good and very excited to be here this week because we have one of our favorite episodes of the year we only get to do it four times a year and that is a patch notes jam-packed episode and it falls on episode 70 i mean just like how perfect is that so we're going to be talking the walking flame dlc and update 31 and there's plenty to talk about so let's get right to it of course we've got we Sometimes we skip the news on big episodes like this, but there is so much news and everything going on. So much has gone on in the maybe a uh, little bit of time that we've been gone that we definitely want to catch everyone up. Of course, if you don't remember or had heard last episode, uh, my PC is down and it still is, although the part is should be here hopefully either tomorrow or the next day. And uh, everything should be working again. I am recording now on my, uh, my wonderful girlfriend's computer. So that's cool. And thank you to her. So we're going to have everything recorded and set up. When I get my computer back, I'll edit it. And this episode should be out in the weekend for you all to... In the weekend for you all to enjoy. So now I'm rambling. Anyways, that is the news of... Why we are a little late on this episode, but uh, yeah, just uh, wanted to keep you guys up to date on that. And dogged, hit him with the rest of the news. All right. Well, first off, we have QuakeCon on day one. It was pretty much just information and ESO, and like yeah, kind of just uh, said what it is. Uh, a couple of things to note is like ESO suppressed 19 million players. Or 19 million accounts. That's a lot of that's a lot of accounts. 19 million. That is <laughs> absolutely insane. Especially like uh, when you consider how many people like stop playing early on. You know, in the in the game's tenure. Yeah, they also played a few messages of what like a few uh, stream team members, an actor, a singer, professional fighter. And Phil Spencer, you know, the head of Xbox, what they thought about ESO, which is kind of neat. Yeah, anytime Phil Spencer is up in front of the screen, it's like a must-watch television for me. (laughs) Yeah. That guy is a genius. They showed the uh, Waking Flame DLC gameplay preview trailer. That is also pretty cool. And I think the biggest thing is that they talked about console enhanced and they uh, retold what advancements brought with the Blackwood chapter. And they also said that uh, the graphics and the experience on PS5 and Xbox Series X are better right now than on PC. Loading times are better and a few other stuff, too. But man, that's insane. Like the new consoles are better than PC. That's that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, that was definitely a surprise to hear uh, that. I think it was Matt Fyroar, uh the creative, no, not creative director, game director. I don't know, top dog over there for sure. And uh, yeah, he said it plainly that right now they're running it 
at a higher performance than PC. So pretty crazy. Although I'm sure PC is not far behind. And I'm like, hey man, if they're running that good, let's see some add-ons over there. Okay, <laughs> it's time. Yes, or yeah, crossplay add-ons. Yeah, or crossplay. Uh, they uh, mentioned ESO on XCloud briefly. Um, so it, and they also said it was either in beta or xCloud in general is in beta. So that's kind of cool. And then lastly, there's the Trivium guitar. And they're going to debut one of their songs at the year end stream this fall. So. Yeah, that guitar looked, uh, yeah, the guitar looked pretty sick. I would love to win it. Even though I have no real clue how to play a double neck guitar. I mean, I could play a normal guitar perfectly fine, so I'm sure I could figure it out. But yeah, if you haven't seen it, I would definitely go recommend checking that thing out and trying to enter to win. Yeah, it definitely looks cool. But uh, that wraps up uh, day one of QuakeCon. That was day one, huh? Yep, just day one. That's a yeah. That's a lot happening, man. Yeah. Uh, day two was a bit shorter. Uh, it held the dungeon speedrun veteran hard modes. It was one of the newer dungeons. I don't remember which one it was. It was the one with the secret bosses, and it was the one that had the three bosses. So, but uh, yeah, yeah the team EU won, and they completed the dungeon in like thirteen minutes. Which is just insane. Like, that's just insane. That's really fast. <laughs> yeah. There was a. Well, I mean, when you got a full team of pros, but yeah, that is extremely fast. Yeah. And then uh, day three was ESO art creation done by the uh, concept artist Mike May. Uh, there was also Gina and the art director, and they were kind of just talking and doing stuff. And yeah, that was actually a really cool stream. I uh, didn't think I'd be as interested into it as I as I was. So that was really cool to watch. Yeah, that was actually a really uh, really cool idea on their part. The whole like all the stream stuff they put together for QuakeCon. Ended up coming out really well, honestly. Yeah. And then on top of, you know, those three, that was just like the Bethesda side of things. And then there's like a lot of uh, community oriented QuakeCon streams. And I wasn't able to like watch most of them because like they were like either really early in the morning or like in the middle of the day when it worked. So. Yeah, there's a couple of the things that was interesting there, too. So. We also had the new DLC dropped, I think, as we've mentioned a couple times last week. Waking Flames. And, of course, console, we know you're still waiting. It is coming. It's coming soon. So, uh, yeah, this one kind of caught us off guard. Isn't that right? Yeah, it dropped on a Monday. We were expecting it to be like a Tuesday drop. But, no, it was a Monday drop. I swear it's always Tuesdays. I don't know. Like, that definitely threw me for a loop on that one. Yep. And then the DLC concert release uh, date it was pushed back to September 8th, which I think is like the day after the year one celebration ends. So, I, for one, am definitely 
kind of glad that they pushed it back because now I don't have to worry about a. I don't have to worry about setting up a whole nother build for after. Well, for the middle of the event, because now I don't have to worry about it. So we are also in the midst of a brand new celebration strung together with multiple old celebrations. It is a combination of Craglorn, Orsinium, and Imperial City events. Now you could start this off by grabbing the Sand, Snow, and Blood event quest in the Crown Store or the Impresario 10. It's going to have you kill one boss in the sewers or city, visit a striking locale in Rothgar, and complete a world quote-unquote boss in Craglorn because there's a lot of world bosses out there. Now... It's uh, some of, you know, what we're getting during this reward or during this event. You know, what are the rewards? Well, there are double reward boxes from dailies and weeklies in each of those zones. Imperial City, do your dailies. You save up to 50 boxes and open one box every 20 hours so you can get the 50 Siege of Cyrodiil mitts. And you can turn those into the Timber Crow costume to use yourself because it's a cool costume to have and it sells for a lot so multiple reasons yeah one of the reasons is that you can die it a certain way and it kind of makes it so that you don't look like you're wearing pants that's a classic dog just wants <laughs> to run around with no pants <laughs> no, not me I like my <laughs> arena gladiator costume but I, I ran a couple people with that costume and I'm like why are you not wearing any pants? How are you not wearing any pants? And then I was like, oh, it's that costume. Okay. And then I move on. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. But on top of that, uh, there's also double resource nodes, uh, bonus loot from dungeon, delve, world bosses, trial bosses, and then chests from Maelstrom Arena or Dragonstar Arena. So this is a good time to get like spell power cure, or monster helms from either the dungeon or the Imperial City. Like the uh, new ones that they added in. Um, I believe somebody said that you can, that you uh, get double plunder drops if you do like that Hellraiser. You can also get double drops for uh, whatever that one. Whatever like the stamina version of False God is that I can't remember. Mm, vicious Ophidian? Yes, I believe Yeah, so. that sounds about right. Yep, and then you also have double Telvar and Imperial sewers bosses and scamp spawns should be about should be faster too. So now it would be a good time to like farm some of those too if you're trying to go for achievements. And then lastly, there is the year one coffers, and these can contain uh, crafting materials. Uh, Imperial City key fragments, zone gear, transmutes, trash items to sell, motifs, uh, style pages for Maelstrom Arena weapons, Legion Zero Vigils armor, and the new Order City and weapon styles. So they can contain a lot. Yeah, I mean, you lump a lot of events together and you're going to get quite the large drop <laughs> pool there. Yeah. Then there's, of course, they have the uh, glorified uh, whatever 
the, you know, the big gold box that they have. And it's a guaranteed drop for a motif page or any style pages. And I've actually gotten a lot more uh, style pages this time around. So I don't know if they made it so that they drop more often or my RNG has just changed. So I actually get like stuff that I don't ha know yet. But yeah, this event's being a lot nicer to me than the other event. So. Well, that's good. Because I know, uh, yeah, last event with those gold coffers, you were really unimpressed. Oh, yeah, they uh, they definitely made me bad. <laughs> I can remember I had that experience with the gold coffers in Somerset. They just gave me the Somerset event. Like, it just gave me nothing the entire time. I just hated it because I got nothing. Like, okay, cool. But, yeah, yeah double drops is awesome. Go hit those Craglorn Trials. It's the time. And Maelstrom. Like, go, 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 go. And if you don't have, you know, your Master stuff from Dragonstar, the Master Bow is still relevant. Master's Inferno staff still is nice to have. So don't miss out on Double Drops. You really don't want to. Dogged, when does this event end? This event ends on uh, September 7th. So we still have, like, a full another week of it as we are recording this now so that's good hopefully i'll be able to get some time in at least maybe yep so uh one of the things that this event doesn't have is that you know how like uh usually uh old events will have like grab bags but this one doesn't have a grab bag for like the previous imperial city and arsenium events so like you can't have a grab bag for the uh, maelstrom weapons or the uh legion zero vigils there's also the original Le legion zero armor but they don't have that like at all which is weird and yeah there uh, there's there are no grab bags available from tickets which kind of uh sucks because i was saving up my tickets from uh the dragon event so i could just drop them all on grab bags in this event and there are no grab bags now, another thing it also doesn't have, and very unfortunate because it's actually some of our favorite stuff, is the Imperial Furnishings, like they normally have for the Imperial City event. And that could include things that have like the Red Diamond logo, which clearly is our namesake, and it's a bummer to see them not have. Yep, that was uh, one of the things that I uh, saw along with like the Legion zero the original one that uh, some people were kind of upset that wasn't available throughout uh, the uh, impresario all right what we got next here doll all right well we can talk about some, you know some of the experiences from the event and uh i was doing one of the daily quests and it gave me uh one of the rothgar one was uh reeking of foul play which is a world boss quest and the world boss is okay right it just dies pretty much instantly because there's like 30 people around there but then you have to go rescue two prisoners with that 30 people that you just killed that world boss with and there's only three spots and if you don't make it in time then you kind of all just sit there and wait and hopefully you're uh you know you're not like me and you're like all right i'm gonna go do something real quick and come back and it's already dead i'm like damn it i missed it <laughs> But yeah, they also take a long time to get recaptured. So it's one that's like, all right, I'll come back to this later. 
and I've never come back to it yet. So classic dog. Yeah. Also, I've been farming the Imperial City dailies, which for the old gen consoles, it takes about like 10 minutes just to like go up, grab the quest, go back down, go into the next sewer entrance, grab it, go back down. Just to pick up all six dailies, it takes like 10 minutes before I actually, you know, start doing them, which is insane. And I hate console load screens so much. Yeah, it's, uh, I still have nightmares about unusually long load times. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty insane. It's like, if you're going to go do, like, your crafting dailies, but instead of, like, you know, the nice convenient boards where you just pick up all, all seven of them from the two different boards, it's like, you have to, you have to go find, like, each special merchant, like the alchemy merchant, the blacksmith, the clothing and whatnot, and you have to go, like, talk to them. And then you have to go do it like like it'd be something like that. But then, you know, you have to add a fat load screen to it, too. And that's how it feels. And I, I like all I want is just, you know, a nice board so that we can go pick up all six dailies and then I can go on my way and just start farming them. But uh, also, like, as I've been doing the dailies, I've also had a few Imperial City experiences. Like I've been finding the Imperial City that's uh pretty much blue dominated or blue has the same amount of bars as like yellow or red. And uh, pretty much though that I am not like fighting a t- entire server of red or yellow because that's not fun. And pretty much whenever I'm uh, go up there, every enemy I find is just a Nightblade. Luckily for me though, they aren't like, you know, good Nightblades. They're mostly bad Nightblades that when they try to gank me, they can't burst me down. So I just run around and drop a meteor on them. And yeah, I pretty much yeah, I kill them for interrupting my questing and my Telvar farming, which uh, so far I've pulled up, I've pulled in like 50k Telvar because I've killed a couple of like bombers and gankers that dropped like 5k Telvar for me. Oh, really dang. nice of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good haul. Yeah, there was this one uh, EP Nightblade in particular who uh, thought he had the right to, you know, bag me. After his eighth consecutive time, he ganked me. But this time, on the eighth time, he finally killed me. Because the first seven times, he failed and ran away like the true coward he was. And so he got his ultimate back and tried again and again. And then the eighth time, he got me. But he, And then he bagged me. And he didn't bag me for like, you know... A couple of seconds, like I was, I was just sitting there, like, "Oh, you're bagging me, okay." He bagged me for like a minute and a half before I uh, got up. I'm like, "Okay, that's a." Uh... If I could, if I could see you and I could and I could fight you, I would have killed you, but instead you had to run and hide, and hide really fast because I couldn't find you. Those freaking night blades, man. Yeah, and then there's another EP at uh, Elven Gardens this time, and he was burning a ballistas. I was burning ballistas. You know, all is fine. Uh, we get you get some tar together. We go finish the quest together. No big deal, right? We're just gonna finish the daily and go our own separate ways, right? No, that was wrong. As soon as we finish the test, he turns around and incaps me, and. That's like the most rude, spit-in-the-face kind of mood you can possibly do to somebody. 
Like, we just completed a quest together, and he didn't cast me. So, I did the most, I, the most logical thing, and I killed him, and then I dropped a meteor on his corpse because he died too fast. So, but yeah, I can't believe that he just incapped me. It was like, all right, we're doing this together. Like, I could have killed him at any moment because he only had, like, 17k health, which is crazy for being in a CP campaign anyways. Yeah. Those are my, you know, Imperial City stories for now. For now, more to be heard soon. As Doc continues to have insane things happen throughout Imperial City. All I do is I try to, uh, you know, I just try to do my quests. But I'm a five star on a healer, which means I'm pretty hard to kill with earth gore and stuff. And I'm pretty survivable. So it'll be interesting. It will definitely be interesting. So, speaking of events and, uh, well, specifically PvP, let's hop into the PvP side of things. This week, not only do we have the scores for you, but we also have a good little uh, chunk of PvP stuff, and I guess combat stuff, from the patch notes here to talk about in this section. So... Dog, why don't you start us off? Alright, well, for starters, we have a Battle Spirit. Uh, they increase the damage taken reduction from the Battle Spirit passive to 50%, up from 44%. They increase the Healing Receive penalty to 55%, up from 50%. And they will no longer detail the effective strength of these changes to prevent potential confusion. And then after that, there's also a Dev Comment. And it reads, after the uh, recent adjustments to base character stats, champion points, and item stat scaling, we've seen a significant shift in the meta in ways that we wanted in many cases. And in other cases, primarily burst damage and overall time to kill, we've seen a pretty radical shift to something that's dangerously low. In efforts to expand the window of time to kill, we're upping the effect to make up for the added stats that all characters have, especially in the no CP environments. We've also reduced the healing received and then uh, counteract the fears that the changes to damage re reduction will cause a heavy resurgence of stalemating encounters by reducing healing taken and increasing base effective health by increasing damage reduction. We hope to see less situations of insane burst Tearing players apart, but also a similar or less situation where healing supplements or your ability to sustain uh, constant pressure. Well, that was a mouthful. Yeah, it's uh, probably something that you should read and not uh, listen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know, it's important. Yeah, it is. But uh, this is one of those things that it's definitely a good so concept wise and like it's good on paper and it's really good for like the people that this would affect, which is like, you know, the casual PVPers, off meta PVPers, or people just trying out and learning more about PVP and ESO. But it really isn't so great when you consider who was already obnoxious before to kill and who's going to be even more obnoxious to kill now, like ball groups and werewolves especially werewolves and yeah pretty much yeah werewolves will be harder to kill 
Although another thing to know is that there are two new sets that kind of combat uh, ball groups in general, which is interesting. And yeah, so maybe ball groups won't be so bad. So just werewolves, which, well, werewolves. I think werewolves are always going to be broken, at least for the time being. Yeah, it's been six years. Werewolves, they're just not going to get balanced. So they have also adjusted many player abilities to no longer attempt to remove stealth or invisibility when they should not. So this is also expanded to any damage over time effect rather than only single target damage over time effects as we want the removal and denial of stealth and invisibility to be more active rather than passive. So... All your little tricks that used to pull Nightblades out of stealth are not all necessarily going to work anymore. So this means that the only player abilities that should remove stealth uh, are area of effect, direct damage, stuns, fears, or immobilizes. As well as reveals, which is the obvious one. Attacks made with the protection potions active may still damage the target, but will not strip their stealth or invisibility. So, protection pots are pretty much trash. They also fix many issues where attacks that were checking in areas regularly to hit single targets could target stealth or invisible targets as well, such as force pulse or shrouded daggers balancing attacks. Any attack that checks in an area to attack singular targets will no longer attempt to even apply to targets under these effects. So yeah, lots of work here on the uh, AoE and everything going on. And they also have a dev comment. uh, Pretty much they're saying the main goals with the adjustments to improve the consistency and reliability of things like Shadow Cloak. Well, I mean, personally, I feel like this was like a mini nerf for Nightblades. I mean, not for Nightblades. It was a mini nerf for everyone else against Nightblades, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, uh, I mean, I also think about it, it's like, is there so many things that I would do to try and pull them out of stealth that are going to be affected by this? Not really. But I use, you know, mainly reveals and stuff, but there is a lot of things that pl- people will keep down to, like, prevent them from staying stealth so long around them and, you know, give them a better edge while fighting, like, dogged in his freaking Templar circle. Hey, my, uh, shards and wall of elements protects me. But not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> well, not, not when consoles get this update. But, uh, yeah, they also updated a few of the, uh, well, all of the reveals so that they work better, hopefully. Uh, first up, you have the Fighters Guild, which is Expert Hunter. 
this ability and the camouflage hunter morph now reveal hidden enemies within eight meters, which is up from six meters. All versions of this ability now check every 500 milliseconds instead of once every second for more responsive capturing of those uh, slippery targets. Um, all versions. All versions of this ability will now prevent stealth and invisibility for 4 seconds, up from 3 seconds. The hidden passive from this ability and its more sense evil now only highlight player werewolves and vampires rather than undead, danger, or werewolf. Uh, this change was done to better represent the targets on your skill tracker bonus. So. And then you have Evil Hunter, which is... This morph now increases the radius of the reveal to 12 meters. And then we have a skill tracker, which I mentioned uh, before, and this passive now increases your damage with fighter skill abilities by 10%, and an additional 10% against player werewolves and vampires, rather than increasing your damage done with fighter guild abilities by 20% against any undead danger or werewolf. And then there's a dev comment saying that this passive is currently attempting to validate a very long list of spe uh, specific target checks. And now it'll only check three things instead of 231 things while retaining its flavor in PvP environments. So. Oh my gosh, that is an insane <laughs> amount. There's way too much to check. It's probably checking like every uh, undead Deja or werewolf named an NPC that there is. Which yeah, I that, guess two hundred thirty. That's just horrible. <laughs> yeah. So then we've got Mage Light, which also, of course, got some touch ups. This ability and the Inner Light Morph now reveal hidden enemies within eight meters of you, up from six. Which is awesome. All versions of the ability now check for hidden enemies every five hundred milliseconds instead of every second. Cut it in half, which is awesome. And all versions of this ability now prevent stealth and invisibility for 4 seconds, up from 3. So yeah, it's pretty much badass now. Yep, and then you have uh, the support skill line and uh, revealing flare. And this ability and its morph now prevents stealth from 4 seconds to 3 seconds. And this ability and its morph now passively grant major protection while slotted to ensure they do not feel lackluster to slot when... Uh, Trying to deny, deny stealth or invisibility, similarly to uh, Mage Light or Expert Hunter when they grant major buffs. So, Revealing Flares is actually probably one that I'll be using now. So, I will be uh, have major protection to protect me against the uh, bombers. So. But, uh, yeah, that uh, wraps up the stealth changes. And, yeah, kind of like you were saying, uh, it definitely uh, kind of seems like a huge nerf to anyone who's fighting Nightblades. Yeah, but at the same time, like, I don't know how much of a buff it seems, like, inherently just for Nightblades. Like, unless you're really effective with the stealth, then you're not going to get too much better from this. But it definitely will just make it harder for other people to control what you do in like stealth during combat i guess yeah i think this will make a invisible pot spawner uh, useful too that way you can just pop it and pretty much be set for a little while too 
So maybe you'll see more people using invisible pots again. All right. And for update 31, the existing no CP, Cyrodiil and Imperial City campaigns will now also prohibit proc sets from firing. They have expanded the number of sets from the original grouping that worked during the, the initial test several months ago. They have the full list of sets that works on their uh, on the forums and the patch notes. Uh, pretty much anything that you might think is a proc set, it won't work. So like Selene's, Zahn's, uh, Calarian's, like, you know, like anything's like, oh, if you do this, you have a the certain percent chance of this happening and then you shoot something or whatever. Uh, one thing that does work is the uh, caustic arrow from the master bow. Um, that does work. So, good old master bow, man. Yep. Yeah. Uh, vicious death does not work, which uh, kind of sucks because vicious death was finally doing good in no CP campaign, and now it doesn't have a chance anymore. And then, lastly, there's no volunteering, so no more hammer in that campaign. Uh, one thing that I feel like they should uh, uh, keep is like I feel like they should keep like the PvP oriented proc sets. Like I feel like those should be allowed in the campaign, like Vicious Death, and there's a couple new sets, and I feel like they should be left in there too. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tough because. It would make sense, seemingly, to do, like, leave certain sets, especially ones like that, that relate to Cyrodiil and PvP and that you get from PvP specifically. But then it's just like, where's the line, you know? Like, you add some, then you gotta add these, and you gotta add those. So just cut them all. Yeah, I guess, I guess there's, like, a hundred Cyrodiil sets or something ridiculous. Yeah, so. <laughs> for real. And speaking of sets, there are three new rewards of the worthy sets that were added. Of course, you won't be able to use them inside of the new campaign, as we were just mentioning. But, you know, it was time to add them, I guess. So, we have uh, the five pieces here for you guys on the light one. It's called Dark Convergence. The five-piece casting abilities that leaves an effect on the ground will create an area that applies a 60% snare and pulls enemies every two seconds after a half second delay and stun them for one second. After four seconds, the area deals magic damage to all enemies in the area and additional magic damage to enemies within three meters of the center, increasing the damage by 10% for each target. This effect can occur once every 17 seconds and scales off the higher of your weapon or spell damage that is a complicated set or well at least complicated definition for a set that doesn't seem to be doing all that much yep and then there's death comet and this set was just designed with one goal in mind and that's kill large groups pesty zerg sitting on your keep or resource flag send them to the void by pairing this set with some hard cc and immobilizes and Again, this set uh, kind of sounds good, but like if you use a ground, like let's say you cast like an AOB on the ground, right? Well, 
if it stuns them right away and pulls them in, all that they have to do is they road dodge and they should be fine. And it, it's not like they're going to get pulled back because CC immunity is a thing. So you're uh, really would, would only be targeting like new people that are already in there. Or you kind of have to like put it in front of them where they're going to be running. And it's kind of complicated. Also, it's kind of weird because uh, previously they're kind of like, all right, we want to make sure that we don't have a bunch of like AOEs going on the ground and stuff. So they're like messing stuff with this. And then they, uh, there's this that's like, Hey, use, use AOEs more often. So kind of a counterproductive, you know? All right. So next up is plague break. This is the medium armor set. It's fifth piece passive says dealing direct damage to an enemy turns them into a plague carry for 10 seconds, dealing disease damage over, the duration. If the plague is removed early, it explodes, infecting enemies within 8 meters of the carrier, dealing disease damage. The explosion deals an additional 10% per enemy hit, and this effect can occur once every 100 milliseconds and scales off the higher of your weapon or spell damage. This set only applies itself to any target that isn't already under the effects of this set. And the dev comment for this is Similar to Dark Conversions, we uh, targeted large groups again with a set, focusing on their ability to have numerous purges running, making locking them down and bleeding them out incredibly difficult to do. Now larger groups must purge more carefully, running the risk of setting off ticking time bombs and having to heal up the aftermath instead of repeatedly casting it with with reckless abandon. So... Pretty much, uh, the first set was meh, and this set is, like, really strong. This is something that I might, uh, try putting on, like, my Magicka character, because I would just get, like, jewelry and, like, weapons or something, because, like I said, this set is really good. Especially with my, uh, jabs. If I just jab everybody, it's like, alright, that should, that should set up at least a couple of them, if not, like, all of them. I'm not exactly sure how much it affects if it's like oh you can only target one person every you know 10 seconds or if it's like all right anytime you do fizz uh direct damage you uh put this on them so yeah and you definitely live with direct damage yep just jabs just the first Uh hit on jabs it will knock them out So for the last one, we've got Rothgar's Chill, the heavy set, and the five piece reads that stunning or immobilizing your enemy causes them to burst with frost magic, applying the chilled status effect and dealing 26% of their physical and spell resistance as frost damage to themselves and enemies within eight meters of them. This effect can occur once every seven seconds, so that's a pretty decent cooldown. Not the most amazing set, but I mean, it does deal a lot of damage over a quarter of their health. And if they're low and you have them locked down, then you never know, you can get lucky. It's not a quarter of their health, it's a quarter of their resistances. Which is like, I think a lot of people run like either between 20 to 25k, so. But that's like, I think 5% or 5k, 5k, 6k. So that's a. 
Yeah, that's probably at least like a quarter of the health, if not a little bit more. So, pretty good set, especially for like tanks. All right, you want to take us into the leaderboards? Yes, most definitely, man. So, let's hit these leaderboards nice and quick for y'all, as we always do when we've got big old patch note episode. These are, of course, for the 30-day big boy gray host campaign on PC, starting off PC Stadia, NA side of things. We've got 17 days remaining, and DC is in the lead with 40.6k, while Mary Dominion in second place behind them with 39.5k, and Evanheart Pact at 38.9k in third. So very close competition over there, for sure. And on the EU side of things, AD is leading with 44k. Emnhart Pact is in second with 41k. Daggerfall is unfortunately in last with 34k. Dogged, how are things going over there on Xbox? All right, for Xbox NA, there's two days left in the campaign. And at first, we have EP with 86.8k. 80 in second with 82.2k and DC in last with 79.2k. And on Xbox AU, we have DC in first with 103k, 80 in second with 81k, and EP in last with 62k. So Xbox AU, DC definitely wins. Xbox NA, EP will probably win. But AD could pull it off. I guess so could DC, but EP will probably win. Yeah. You never know, though. Yep. And last but not least, our PlayStation scores. NA, we've got Evan Hart Pact in the lead, almost up at 100K with 98K. All Mary Dominion behind them at 82K. And Daggerfall Covenant, once again, unfortunately. And last with 80k. And then we've got the EU side of things where All Mary Dominion is leading with 92k. Daggerfall Covenant's right behind them at 84k. And EP is once again bringing up the rear with 70k. So they got a long ways to go. And there's only two days left. So this is what it is. But. Good to see some DC leading, some DC in last, so definitely a mixed bag. Yep. Alright, man. So, we got this new DLC, as well as Update 31. So, why don't we talk some Waking Flames real quick before we get right into the full meat of the show. Well... With Waking Flame, you got the Red Battle Passion Dungeon, which is located in Northeast Glenumbra. And then there's also the Dread Cellar Dungeon, which is located in Northern Blackwood. Both dungeons have three bosses and three veteran hard modes for each boss. And this uh, new tactic for like the each boss as a hard mode is cool and all, but it kind of makes charming gear that you want terrible because you only have like three bosses. So, I guess one of the bright sides is, like, each boss has their own drop pool, so you don't have to rely on, like, oh, I have to rely on the first boss and fourth boss and everything else is garbage. 
to you and you're like all right i know the first boss is, has what it wants and boom so uh yeah pretty much like with this new tactic it's like each boss has their own drop pool and then you rely on chests for anything bonus so i don't know if there's more chests available or if they kind of but i was thinking hopefully there would be but you never know I guess the other thing is that they could add like secret bosses and stuff too. That's true too. So speaking of sets and set pieces, let's talk about these new sets we've got. So for this medium one, we've got Rush of Agony. This is from Dread Cellar. And uh looks like we've got just a couple of the really good ones here for you. So starting off, it's the medium one from Dread Cellar, Rush of Agony. Stam recovery, weapon and spell damage, and offensive penetration are the two, three, and four pieces. And the five piece reads, when you deal direct damage with a blink, charge, leap, teleport, or pull ability, pull all enemies within 10 meters to you. After two seconds, deal physical damage to all enemies within seven meters. This effect can occur once every 8 seconds and scales off the higher of your weapon or spell damage. The pull will not apply crowd control immunity to a target, so you can still, like, talons them once they pull in. This set will be OP for a stam sork. Okay, I'll let you say that. This really seems like it's going to be a possible slightly meta uh, tanking set. Maybe not for, like, super endgame content, but if you're just doing, like, pledges and stuff, then definitely going to be a popular set to be running, I think. Yeah, the uh, essential double sign will be really cool. And, like, uh, just pulling everything together. Yeah. Uh, I think this set will be uh, pretty OP for a stamp stork in PvP, where you can pretty much streak through every- everyone, you know, that already stuns them. And then you turn around and Dawnbreaker, everyone that's there. So, And then on the other thing is like you can pair this with like a bomber or a ball group to just get re- everyone really close and they can all die together, you know. You can also pair this set with the, uh, what was it, uh, the Plague Break where uh, you hit uh, hit people with like uh, what, direct damage. Pretty sure streaks direct damage, so. You have both of those go off, someone tries to purge, and boom. They made a mistake. Alright, the uh, next set is Crimson Oaths Rive. This is heavy, and this is from the Dread Cellar Dungeon. Uh, When you use an ability that applies a major or minor buff to yourself or an ally, you send out a wave of energy that reduces the armor of nearby enemies within 12 meters by 3500 for 15 seconds. This effect can occur once every 12 seconds and will only occur if an enemy is within range. Now this is a pretty decent tank set, uh, both for PvE or PvP, especially if you uh, go out there and get into the thick of enemies in PvP. For PvE, it might not be as like necessary because... I think uh, penetration is still pretty strong where uh, you don't really need the extra reduced armor. But uh, in PvP, I can definitely see this set being one that's used. Yes. 
So the last set we've got here for you guys is the Grizzly Gourmet set from Red Petal Bastion, also a medium set. This one looks interesting. Now, the five-piece dealing light attack damage grants you a stack of Baker's Delight for five seconds. When you gain three stacks, you create a sweet roll next to your target for five seconds. If you or an ally touches the sweet roll, both you and your ally gain one of the following effects. Either restore 50, about 1600 health, magic, and stamina, or gain in power for 10 seconds, or gain major force for 10 seconds. Now this effect can occur once every two seconds. So I'm excited for this one. I think it'll be a lot of fun for whatever reason. Oh, except for whatever reason. It's because there's a sweet whirl involved, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll have to agree with that. Yeah. I will say I'm kind of uh, disappointed that uh, you can't steal somebody's sweet roll and take the, your, uh, the ability for yourself. So instead of you share the sweet roll, like, come on, yeah, I can't control sure. Bob when he tries to set out. Huh? Thankfully, <laughs> you can try, but it will only help. Yeah. All right, Doc, anything else about these dungeons we should know? All right, there's uh, two outfit helms and shoulders for completing each dungeon of veteran. There's a memento for completing dread seller of veteran. There's a face tattoo for the arcane analyst achievement, which I forgot to look up what that was. So good job, me. Uh, there's the body tattoo for the red petal bastion conqueror, which pretty sure that's the veteran achievement. Uh, there's the scorpion, but uh, yeah, I think it is the veteran achievement. There's the uh, there's the scorpion pyreling pet for earning the waking flame explorer achievement. And then there's the Moon Shadow Orchidae for the Waking Flame Delver achievement. So the pet is earned for completing both on normal and the dies for completing both on veteran. And of course, there are new furnishings and four new titles. And then that wraps up the Waking Flame edition. Very, very perfect, my man. And we are going to hop right into update 31 for you guys after this quick quick break from our one and only awesome network robots radio podcast network go check it out robotsradio.net and you can find all kinds of awesome shows over there like the one you're about to hear about all right welcome back everyone from this uh you know Classic robots radio break. We know it's one of uh, your most exciting parts of the episode. Just kidding. Just kidding. Everyone's favorite is the PvP talk. Just kidding. Just kidding. Anyways, before I keep rambling, dogged. Let's get into some update thirty-one mumbo freaking jumbo, my dude. We got some patch notes to talk about here. Yes, even more patch notes. It's all patch notes. Everything is patch notes. A whole, like, when we read through these, you really feel the, like, stress on Gina's shoulders having to type these up. 
Yeah, and I, I don't know if she can do a whole bunch of, like, copy, paste, and cut, paste, like I can. Because that, that makes, you know, our our patch notes episodes a lot easier. <laughs> That's very true. I, I hope that, you know, <laughs> that, that first one, maybe, when the PTS comes out, is horrible, and then it's just, like, a slow, like, update <laughs> from there. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's kick this right off. We are going to start from you guys uh, just right here with all the important stuff. So right off the bat, as far as like performance enhancements, we do have some specific things, one of them being multi-threaded rendering. So this is a beta this is a beta version of the multi-threaded rendering. And it says that it is an optional performance optimization available in the video settings panel for PC players. This option enables a separate thread for the render process, which can improve performance and provide a smoother overall experience if the limiting factor on your device is CPU processing rather than GPU processing. So pretty much if your GPU, you know, your Intel 12 core or whatever, you know, your AMD 810 core, you know, that's clearly going to be good enough. Maybe it's your GPU, or I think I said GPU the first time. Well, you know, that's what you get. For, regardless, you guys know what I mean. If it's not your CPU, then maybe it's your GPU. And if that is having a problem performing at peak capacity, then doing the multi-threaded rendering might be able to help with that. So, you know, maybe even for people like Dog trying to play on, like, a laptop that you probably shouldn't even be playing ESO on, but, you know, make it work. Well, I can confirm that I had to turn this off because I was uh, getting really bad lag spikes whenever I'd be going walking through doors and start loading everything in. So... Mm. Not ideal for dungeons, but and like other stuff like world, like the overworld and that kind of stuff. That like that doesn't really matter as much. But well, then to be fair, they also did have the note of this the feature beta. is in beta. Yeah, so if you yeah. experience any negative effects, please disable it. And I did. So <laughs> and I did. Well, hopefully they continue to flesh that one out. Of course, I don't have a PC, so I haven't been able to check it out, but hopefully soon. Alright, uh, next up we have the interaction priority changes. They've added new rules for determining which things you'll interact with when there's a potential conflict. Generally speaking, interactable objects that are valuable, such as resource nodes and Lootable corpses will have a priority over things that are mobile or player-made, such as companions, mementos. Uh, you should also have less of a problem when attempting to interact with doors, dive stations, and uh, other permanently available interactable objects, like quests. And even when they're surrounded by Jubilee Cakes, Sorcerer Pets, or Warden Bears. Because... Everyone apparently is playing either a sork, a pet sork, or a warden with a bear this event, and they're obnoxious. They're all hanging out over at the uh, quest turn-in for the world boss area. It's pretty annoying. It's like more toxic 
than PvPers. It's awful. Well, it's good to see that, you know, at least they are trying to fix some of that interaction stuff, because that's been a problem for a long time. Yep. And if you're on consoles, you definitely can tell that it's still a problem. Because we haven't had the update yet, so. Right. Well, true, fair enough. It's coming, though, very soon. Within a matter of days at this point. Yep. So, we also next have the mail reply system where they state we've added a reply option to receive mail. Hallelujah! That has been a long time coming. You shouldn't have to type out the person's name when they just freaking sent you something. You just want to send them something back. You know, we've all been there. You know what I'm talking about, especially if you're on console. So that's a good freaking thing. Yeah, so they've updated from mail to like email, right? <laughs> as close as you could get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, next up we have some new collectibles. There's a couple new costumes. Uh you have the Moongrave, Fang, Lair of Marslock, and Ice Streak, uh style masks and shoulders. And they're offered by Ergerlag in the Undaunted area. You have a new emote from uh Siege Specialist. There's also a new adornment for Lyrance Liaison Achievement, which is from the new Prologue quest that's coming out. And then there's a few new furnishings in the Master Rit vendor. It's there's a Deadlands Torture Act diagram which is available. And you know, that seems pretty good for any, you know, torture houses, you know, that kind of stuff. All right, you're up with the companions. Oh, shoot. Almost done with two, well, a page and a half. We could do this. So, the next little thing we got going, uh, companions. So, there's definitely a little bit going on here with the companions. Many, many bug fixes, which is definitely to be expected. Also, Bastion is now, well, slightly less annoying when you're looting high-quality items. Miri also... As uh, got a little bit of change going on. She no longer gains rapport from Sigic Portals. 
Those are for Goody Goody Two Shoes Bastion to get excited about. <laughs> now that may have been a dog line or, or a Gina line. It kind of feels like a Gina line. I think that may have been my line, but I don't know. And <laughs> classic dog. We need to get him up there writing some puns for the notes. And on top of all that, now companions will respond to being healed or a player gaining a champ point to level up. So that's cool. Probably get some applause. And now the group display will now switch to a large group icon or large group kind of thing up there in the corner. Upon reaching more than four total members of both players and companions. Oh, okay, cool. So once you have two players, two companions, that's it. Yeah, so uh, I think that means that you can have, you know, groups bigger than four and overlong co- content. So that'd be cool. All right, next up is uh, combat and abilities. They uh, drastically improve the backend scripting of Taunt to be more responsive and follow its intended rules better. This should fix multiple issues where taunts would sometimes lose target contacts, exhibit issues when cast from a range, and had race conditions where some parts of the hidden behavior, such as taunt immunity, would still apply to a target even if you fail to taunt them. They updated Break Free to follow a more consistent cost rule when compared to other abilities, this will reduce situations where it could desync your stamina bar when using it, as well as improve the response time and validating you have enough resources to cast it. Many bonuses that reduce its cost has been also changed to be handled better by the server rather than as an ability to speed up the validation in cases where you are u- using many of them. So like many uh, reduced costs to break free. Flawless Dawnbreaker now grants both spell damage and weapon damage the same amount, so that's kind of cool if you've been using it. And lastly, they fix multiple issues with ability bar timers displaying incorrect durations. And that, as far as I could tell, on my Templar side of things, worked worked good. So, at the very least, Wall of Elements was fixed, which was one of the ones that uh, was broken for me so that was good and then the first class that we have is dragonite and one of the changes is for corrosive armor and this ultimate now grants offensive penetration rather than only physical penetration and that's the only change for dragonite and for necromancer we also only have one change we're looking at the Flame Skull, the bonus damage from this ability and its morphs, third cast, has now been built into their damage coefficients rather than as a bonus modifier effect. This will clean up some calculation errors that result in less damage than intended when stacking multiple bonuses. So they just tried to clean that one up and improve it a little bit. Uh, next up, we have the Sorcerer, and they, this is a Bullyscape, specifically the Ball of Lightning morph. The Ball of Lightning summoned from this ability not only intercept projectiles from the caster of the ability, 
rather than any ally in the ball's vicinity. The ball now only absorbs up to one projectile per second, down from 100. And then the dev comment for this is, This ability is currently enabling far too much protection against ranged attackers, not only for the caster, but for their allies as well, meaning skill sorcerers can deny any ranged threats when properly utilizing the skill for them and their group. And then the other one is Overload. By attacks from this ultimate and morphs now break stealth on cast, there's nothing sneaky about lobbing giant bolts of lightning at your foes. And that was definitely a Gina comment, I think. So, take that, you Nightblades. Alright, and then the other one is Overload. Light attacks from this ultimate and morphs now break stealth when cast. There's nothing sneaky about lobbing giant bolts of lightning at your foes. And I'm pretty sure that was a Gina comment, not mine. And... Yeah. So now Sorgs can no longer be stealth while trying to use Overload. So, yep. Alright, so Sorcerers, Necros, and Dragonites down. Next we've got Warden. Once again, not too many big changes for a lot of the classes, but for Warden, Accelerated Growth to get changed. This passive now grants major mending for two or four seconds on proc, up from one and a half or three. And Frozen Gate, this ability and its morphs traps now last 15 seconds rather than 30. That's a big, oof, cut it in half, man. I'll be glad to see it for PvP, but I don't want to be the warden that has to deal with it. Well... If you're expecting something, somebody to go in there and a trap after 20 seconds, I think you're uh, pretty pushing your luck. Like, you're like, man, please, blind guy, run right through my frozen gate. Please. Huh. That's true. <laughs> and then the last class we have is Templar. And first up, we have Backlash. This ability and its morphs now retain... 50% of the damage you dealt to the target, up from 20%, to help be more reliable in PvP encounters. The final explosion now scales off your spell or weapon damage, depending on the morph, rather than magical or stamina. And the final explosion now also scales with both positive and negative attacks, rather than only negative ones. And then, haha, backlash go boom. Which, again, was Gina. So, clearly, I, I feel like Gina must play a Templar in PvP and likes to use Backlash. I would not be surprised. <laughs> and lastly, this is actually a big one. Uh, this is Radiant Oppression Morph. This morph no longer increases the damage done above the ability based on your current Magicka but instead increases the damage scaling of the Execute Multiplier to 500%. Oh, come on! <laughs> this should retain roughly the overall maximum power of the morph, but with far less micromanagement. And as Bob was, you know, oh, come on. This is incredibly OP, because you no longer have to do two heavy attacks, followed by, like, one of your spell power pots for the maximum efficiency damage. So... Overall, I do like that change, but that is a pretty OP change. Yeah, 
the rich get richer. <laughs> well, I'll have to continue hating Templars this patch then, it looks like. <laughs> yep, definitely. My hashtag of cancel Templars 2020, you know, it's, uh, it really failed considering it's 2021 now and almost 2022. Yeah, well. And they just keep getting stronger. <laughs> Like, if you cancel Templars, you cancel me. I don't want to be canceled. That's so. true. We can't cancel the <laughs> dog. So that's going to wrap up the class skill lines. Let's hop right into all of the different weapon skill line changes we've got. And we definitely have quite a few. So we're going to start right off with dual wield. The only change we've got to this one is the bloodthirst morph of Flurry. Uh, now... This morph now heals for up to 33% of the damage done per hit, rather than up to 63% of the final hit's damage done. This will result in slightly more healing effectiveness and more responsive healing in general. And honestly, as someone who has used this move a lot, like I, if I play stamina, I play dual wield. So this is definitely in my repertoire constantly. And... Uh, I really think this will help smooth it out. I mean, there's a lot of variables that go into that final hit being the one that applies the only heal and the biggest heal of the whole thing. Um, it would just spread it out and make it a much more even heal. And I think that the whole concept of the skill will feel much more fluid with this change. So, I I hope it will help in PvP. Maybe get rid of that two-hand made a little bit. Yeah, this is one of the skills that I definitely use a lot on my stand blade. Up until I uh, started to do a more meta build with it. Because, you know, the meta for two-hand in PvP is dizzy swinging until you're dead. Or executioner spam until you're dead. So. And both are unfortunately effective. <laughs> Yep, they are both very effective. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up, we have the Destruction Staff. Uh, first up, we have Ancient Knowledge. And this passive now better discerns what an area of effect, attack, and what is, what is and what isn't within its bonus damage based on your staff type. And they increase the bonuses of both the Inferno and Lightning Staff types of 5 or 10%. So 10% for like both uh, skill points aside, up from 8% to help better match the power of Twin Blade and Blunt and Heavy Weapons. So mm. the next one is Destructive Touch. This ability and its morph now guarantees the respective element type status effect on hit, which makes sense. Uh, this increased the cost to 2970 up from 2700 to incorporate the uh, added effect. And they increased the range from 15 meters to 14 meters for better consistency since destructive clench was already 15 meters. So they just upped the uh, base skill back up to like 15 since the morph was already at 15. The frost touch and reach versions. So this ability now deal 80, so like, I guess Wardens, because that's kind of the only Frost DPS I can think of. 
Then we have the Destructive Clench Morph and the Frost version of this ability still remains tank focused rather than DPS focused and as such has received a cost reduction to 1485 down from 2700. And this also applies Major Mame for 5 seconds at rank 4. And then there's a dev comment that reads, With the introduction of Frostbite set in update 30, we saw a lot of discussion of the viability of Frost damage sets and how their main drawback, regardless of their power, was the no Frost damage ability that could be used as a spammable attack. There's just no spammable. And rather than bloating these sets farther, they decided to let Frost Touch and its morph stand out. And Frost Touch and Frost Reach now deal range spammable damage on initial hit. Additionally, Frost Clench has been missing the mark for being a viable taunt compared to Puncture or Inner Fire. So we, we've decided to amp it up by introducing a source of on-demand major maim while also reducing the cost. The changes to these base abilities also help gain a form of demand of minor brittle, helping both DPS and tanks out regardless of the morph. And uh, minor brittle is really good because it's the one that gives uh, the target takes 10% extra crit damage. And for, you know, DPS, that's uh, really one of the things that you want to focus on. So that's what tanks or healers have been running either a frost staff or a lightning staff one of them yeah it sounds like some good uh or effective changes for it at least yeah i would say so all right next up we have elemental force this passive now properly states it affects all status effect chances rather than only the elemental status effect next up we have force shock and this ability and its morphs now once again can be reflected. Once upon a time, there's a special rule that was made for these abilities to not be, as it interacted poorly with charge-based reflect skills, such as the reflective scales, which has been clipped because reflective scales is no longer OP, which is a good thing. And lastly, we have weakness to elements. Specifically, the element susceptibility morph. And this morph now persists indefinitely until the target leaves combat or dies, rather than lasting 20 seconds and refreshing whenever they take damage from you. And what, uh, that, what that move does is it's your uh, major breach. That's another source of major breach that you can use. Specifically, people like use it in PvP. Or in like solo arenas and that kind of stuff. Always good to be breaching the enemy. Yeah. So that is it for destruction stuff, huh? Yes, it is. There was a lot. Yeah. Lots for destruction stuff. I mean, they could just give us a new magic weapon line instead of just changing everything in Destruction Staff, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So for Restoration Staff, we have Absorb that got a little bit changed. This passive now procs on any successful block rather than only against spells, which is already a half-truth as it proceeds as it procced on plenty of non-spells as well. 
They also increased their store to 300 slash 600, depending on the level of your uh, passive. And that is up from 288 and 540. This passive now has a 250 millisecond internal cooldown. So if you feel like there's a little bit of a cooldown, there is. Then for Essence Drain, they also changed some stuff around. They increased the duration of the Major Mending from this passive to 2 and 4 seconds, up from 1.5 and 3. This passive now heals a friendly target within 12 meters of the enemy you heavy attacked, up from 6 meters. Increase the healing done to 25 and 50% of the damage done up from 15 and 30. That's a pretty solid increase. And they also fixed an issue where the passives could critically strike. Despite the initial hit already being able to do that. No double crits allowed at the dinner table. <laughs> is, that a, is that a dog classic right there? No, I think that was Sheena. It it did feel like a Gina one, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So next up, I believe we have the two-handed. All right, so in two-handed, we have the cleave skill. And this ability and the carve morph in particular now apply a damage shield on you when you cast equal to the scaling coefficients of the initial hit. No, it does not grant a shield based on their damage done. So if you hit multiple targets, it doesn't matter. You just have to hit the number of targets that it needs, that it requires. And they increase the cost of all versions up to 3510, which used to be 3240. They adjusted the area of all versions in a 300 degree arc with a 6 meter radius there, rather than a 140 degree arc with a 7 meter radius to better line up with the attack's visual appearance and help make it more clear which attack should land and which should not. Then you have the Brawler Morph, which increased the base size of the Morph's damage shield by approximately 7% to match with other damage shields. And then you have Carve, and the bleed from this morph can now stack up to three times. And Blood for the Blood God, another Chinas. And then there's another dub comment, and this reads, Brawler is currently the clear winner in terms of morph options, as it scales far more effectively in power per target. This paired with the fact that melee builds require uh, staying power make the defensive option win the clear winner, but makes Carve feel weak no matter how, the, how high the damage could be adjusted. By adding a baseline shield to these abilities, we hope to see more active choice between the morphs. Will you let the blood flow for you and your enemy or staunchly stand in their face? And then this wraps up all of our uh, weapon skill lines. So now we have the guild skill lines that we're going through. A lot of them have some changes, mostly minor changes. So first off, we have the soul magic skill line and the soul lock passive. This passive now procs on any killing blow, rather than only killing blows with a weapon attack. So, no sneaking. Also, 
They removed the visual objects from the proc of that one. So should help uh, load-wise, hopefully. Then they also changed the soul summons passive. This passive now properly follows its listed cooldown rather than having an hour cooldown regardless of rank. Yeah, that would get old. Next up, we have the uh, vampire skill line. We have vampiric train and this ability, and it's morphed now heal for 20 per pry. We have uh, vampiric train and this ability, and it's morphed now heal for 25% of your missing health per tick, up from 23%. Uh, the morphs also no longer rank up 1.1% in damage done per rank, and now just rank up in their morphed effects. You have a uh, acceleration morph, and this morph now ranks up one additional ultimate per rank, which will be five at rank four up from four. So you get one more ultimate, I guess, with that morph. And your train vigor morph, and this morph now gains 1% missing stamina per rank, which ends at 10% at rank at the last rank, and that's up from 5%. So, one extra ultimate for exhilaration drain, and you now have 10% instead of 5% with train vigor. So, the uh, first guild that we have is the Mage's Guild. And one of the biggest changes was Mage Light, but we already talked about that earlier with the stealth changes and all that in that combat section. And then you also have Fire Rune, and this ability and its morph traps now last only for 15 seconds after the de delay, rather than 30 seconds. And that's kind of in line with the Warden Trap, because let's be honest, if you're waiting after 20 seconds for a trap to go off, then, well... That person must be blind because they would have to intentionally walk right through the trap. So, not really effective. All right, so we are down to the good old Sigic order here. Couple things getting touched up. For one, the deliberation passive no longer grants major protection, and instead. Applies a unique 50% damage mitigation to get this passive's power back to where it was before they started messing with stuff. And they also, on the imbue weapon, the crushing weapon morph, this morph now applies major breach to the target hit for 6 seconds rather than healing for 25% of the damage caused to help ensure the thing being crushed wasn't your dreams. Boom, that is so baller. Yeah, definitely baller. Alright, next up we have the Undaunted, and this is the Inner Fire. This ability and morphs will not only apply their unique visuals if the synergy is successfully applied to the target, and then you have the Inner Beast morph, and this is a pretty good update. Probably one of the best updates in the entire uh, patch notes, if I do say so myself. But, uh, but they increased this morph's damage taken bonus on the target to 7% at base, up from 2% to better enable the very few bruiser tanks out there that were utilizing this skill. This ability's damage taken now only works against non-player characters. So, like, bosses and stuff. 
And, you know, now all of you faint tanks out there better be using this morph so you can do more damage done and hold aggro properly because this is for you, all you fake tanks. You know who you That is going to get us through the guild skill lines. We do have the uh, one of the Cyrodiil, or I guess really any of just the PvP skill lines. Assault got some changes. The very popular Magicka Detonation skill reduced the base damage. So the changes for Magicka Detonation, it's going to read that and now they reduce the base damage of this ability and its morphs by approximately 60%, but increased the scaling per target up to a 100%, up from 25 So large chances, as long as you have a lot of them there with you. But that fly damage, definitely a large decrease. They also updated the tooltip to state the scaling works on the initial target as well. This reduced the potency of the skill against smaller groups, while still retaining its high damage against large ones. So, sounds like kind of a bummer to me because I like to use it for like NPCs and stuff. But you know, not always. But if you're on, you know, the character works for it, it's kind of nice. But if they're just small pod there, it's not going to do as much. So. We'll see how big of a change it truly is. Yeah, you just gotta get some uh, good old dog pulls up in there. And boom, you're at even more damage, right? Oh, yeah. Alright, next up we have some uh, event fixes. There's a lot for Mid-Year Mayhem. Mainly, they uh, changed the name of it. So... It's no longer mid-year mayhem. It's now mayhem victor for like the May uh, mayhem victor's laurel wreath. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, it's, it doesn't really have the uh, same, you know, feel for it. But I guess it really doesn't matter that much. Oh, and then the uh, title is also going to be called White Shrakes Mayhem. So. In January, we're going to be getting a White Shakes Mayhem event. So, yeah. I definitely think the Mid-Year Mayhem sounds better because of the, uh, the sound of nation. No, it's not that. I don't know what it is. Alliteration, that's what it is. And then you also have the Witches Festival. And the Holojack Motif pages will now come as a reward for turning in Witches Festival Ritz. Allowing this being a less gated progression towards the achievement. Happy work for Hollowjack and the achievement descriptor is now updated to account for this. And that was one of the big, big problems with the uh, Halloween event, the Witches Festivals uh, last year, is that getting the Hollowjack motif pages was insanely ridiculous to get. Because I think you could only get them through tickets. Pretty much. Next up, we have a prismatic weapon. This enchantment now deals damage equal to the normal absorb enchantment. And this restores health, magicka, and stamina equal to half of the potency of a singular resource rather than dealing bonus damage to the Undaunted or Dedra. And then there's a dev comment that reads similar to Skilled Hunter. 
This enchantment is too narrow in its cases and requiring you to check too many things where it should and should not work. Rather than continuing that, this enchantment will now fit the proper theme of the prismatic enchants, where it offers all three of the primary resources and one uh, half the efficiency of a singular. So, yeah, this is just your. Whenever you hit a target, you restore health, magic, and stamina back, which, in all honesty, is probably going to be really good for like tanks to just use that if they don't, if they're not using like a crusher or something instead. And I know a lot of the kind of people were complaining about this, but I also had a weapon that was set out for the Imperial City. And eventually I swapped over to just our normal weapon enchantment because it turns out having something that's hurt that affects more than undead or deja is actually better, especially if you get a especially for the players that will try to attack you. So but that's the uh prismatic weapon changes. So they did touch up some stuff for the champion points. They what they really did was add three new sub constellations. So they added these three new constellations to the red fitness CP tree, focusing on more core combat gameplay interaction, as well as focusing on more universal engagement for PvE encounters, as the original nodes tend to have very limited diversity in that regard. Each of these constellations is filled with new slotable stars only, so... You have a lot of new options of slotables. Keep in mind, we're talking about the fitness tree, so none of them are too insane. They go well with, you know, the groups that they were, or that they are, you know, kind of pertaining to, and uh, definitely can help you expand that red, you know, CP tree out a bit if that's what you're looking for. Uh, we're not going to go over them all because they get a little repetitive, but definitely make sure you check that out with your CP. And other than that, they, outside of adding new stuff, they did touch up two of the older slotables for the red fitness tree here. One of them being Juggernaut. They reduced the damage reduction bonus from this star to 1% per stage, down from 2. So they pretty much cut it in half. Then for Rejuvenation, they reduced the bonus to Health, Magicka, and Stamina Recovery per stage to 1.8, down from 3. So, once again, they cut 1 in half. They almost cut the second 1 in half. The final recovery will be 90 rather than 150. So 90 is really, really low. It sounds almost, you know, pointless. 150 definitely sounds a lot more effective. As far as the other one, I mean, yeah, both of these definitely pretty hard nerfs for sure. So you might want to think about sliding one of these new stars into your slaughter balls if you're using those old ones or just making sure that they're still effective for you. Yep, and then for we have the blue tree, which is CP warfare, and then you have ironclad, and this champion star makes its return as a slotable star, reducing damage taken, reducing damage taken from direct damage attacks by two percent per stage, for five stages, and that's ten 
10 points per stage, so you get 10% at max, and that one is actually a pretty decent one to add, especially for like the defensive stuff. Yeah, good old champion points. At least we could tell that they're just almost every update they're still going to keep, uh, if not adding stuff, at least just touching stuff up. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have some set some set changes, and one of them is Pelinol's aptitude, and they renamed this set to Pelinol's wrath. Uh, this set longer causes your weapon and spell damage to become the highest of the two values. Hopefully, we see something like this come back as like a mythic item, and maybe it does like weapon and spell damage and like crit or penetration or some kind of like combination. That'd be cool to see in the future. But for as far as Penalist Wrath, this set now grants you a damage shield based on your weapon or spell damage and a sack of Wrath of White Shrake for 10 seconds whenever you kill an enemy. The Wrath of White Shrake grants you up to 100 weapon and spell damage per sack, but causes you to take 1% of your max health as oblivion damage every second per tick, up to 10 sacks max. And then the sets 2 through 4 piece bonuses are now weapon and spell damage for 2, offensive penetration for 3, weapon and spell damage for 4, and that's instead of the max health and then the recoveries for stamina and magic items. So the 2, 3, 4 piece is definitely pretty good. And the 5th one is definitely interesting. Kind of a and the fifth piece is also pretty interesting. It'll be, I'm kind of curious on how many people are actually going to try it out and see how it goes. Yeah, that actually looks really interesting. Peaking my interest. Might have to go for it myself. <laughs> yeah. Next up, we have Velodrith. Uh, this sets disgusting spores no longer explode after hitting a target. And now instead, do and it said, now continue to travel in a straight line. Uh, don't worry, this will probably be reverted in like two patches from now, because that's what they do with Veladra. And I'm pretty sure I uh, said something like this la uh, you know, last week or a couple weeks ago now uh, on our Cradle of Shadows dungeon guide. I feel like I definitely said uh, Veladra, it gets like changed every couple of months, so you never know. <laughs> They they really do. It's uh there's not too many things that they go back and forth on, honestly, too. But I don't know why. They just can't make up their mind on Veladrath. It's gotta be that guy that's like every time that they don't increase the damage to snipe, you know, he's gotta like, okay, well I'll just have them buff Veladrath back up a little bit, you know. I'll have my stand blade all set up again. <laughs> yeah. Sounds, sounds, seems legit. Yeah, so it seems legit, man. And lastly, the other big set change is Deathly Strike, and they reduce this set's bonus damage to 18%, down from 20%, and this set now works on all channel and damage over time effects, rather than only martial-based ones. That seems like a pretty big change to me. The fact that it works on, like, pretty much almost all skills now. Yeah, it uh, 
it seems like a pretty uh op uh buff for samplers you know their jabs <laughs> now do uh 18 percent more damage there you go up from you'll have to transfer 0%. one of your 90 magplars over to stamina no i don't think i will <laughs> so that's actually, gonna wrap it up that one, but... oh well they, that's true you do actually <laughs> So that's going to do it for the sets this time around. Not a lot of set talk, but then we do have just a couple more things before we finish it up here for y'all. As far as housing goes, the green outline for target dummies and assistants now properly changes color to yellow when they are rotated to an invalid placement, matching the behavior once placed which means you can't set them sideways or upside down and then talk to them. <laughs> I'm sorry. So only applies to the outline in the editor, which now matches the pre-existing logic that determines whether a placement is actually valid. This is uh, one of the things that it was really annoying for specifically the like, target dummies whenever you try to attack them. And like you'd only be hitting with like some AoEs. Not all AoEs, just some. And it was definitely a weird thing. So I might be able to actually see what target dummies are, you know, wrong and be able to fix them now, which will be nice. And just a couple more last things. They also improved some loading times, such as when you press the login button. <gasps> Yes, that's right. The worst loading screen of the entire game, pretty much. Especially for PC. They worked on enhancing that. And they say, please note if you have this option enabled, which I guess uh, this probably has to do with the uncapping of the frame rates. You could allow it to go up past 60 now. Uh... You may hear your PC graphics card working hard during the load screens. This is expected with the frame rate now being uncapped during loading. So I would be very careful with that personally. If you don't have a great, awesome, you know, bad freaking arse uh, graphics card, don't push it. And, uh, you know, like, just... You know, live within your means, guys, all right? Elder Scrolls doesn't need to run at 400 frames a second. I promise you. It'll be okay. Uh, so, yeah. Definitely cool that hopefully those initial load screens are a little faster because those are the longest ones. Yeah. I wouldn't know because my uh, I don't have a good graphics card if I have one at all. <laughs> At least one worth that, you know, noting. Yeah, but I have my, you know, extra slightly older one to ready to give you. So just build a PC already, dog. Just do it. <laughs> Maybe. But more importantly, we have the Alakur Desert because, you know, this has one of the most amazing changes of all time in ESO. And the goat herds in Alakur no longer have goats following them around. And after a year-long scene of operation to report the murders of their goat herds from, you know, people like Dog, the goats have decided that this line of work was too depressing 
and have gone back to climbing on containers and producing uh, prodigious amounts of poop. So uh, yeah, they're uh, now whenever you murder the goat herders, uh, they the goat won't be able to you know report the crime because you know goats can't talk to people. So and this for dog is one of the best changes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there are a lot yeah. of changes in our days, but this one, <laughs> top five, at least, for God. <laughs> yep. And now we have to kill the goats because, you know, now they're just running around Tamriel, pooping on stuff and climbing on containers and smashing them. So. Yeah. So now it's not even just like a personal <laughs> thing. It's like you have to eliminate them. <laughs> yeah. Now, now they're a menace to Tamriel. But like that's not good. We already have the cult of the guar, right? We can't have the uh, cult of the goat. That's true. They both start with G. They could easily <laughs> team up, so you can't have that. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's how we end the show because that's all that we have. <laughs> it's like well, I, I guess. Uh, oh, how about that? I, I guess that's as good of a way as any, honestly. <laughs> And yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed our massive patch notes episode. We uh, tried to stick it out as uh, good for the entire thing as we could for you guys. And uh, yeah, get in there and do some freaking dungeons, guys. Come run them with us. Let's go do some hard modes or something. When I get my PC back... Even though, didn't they, they just, just are going to come out on console in like two days, right? Yeah, this should be up like soon. Very awesome. So maybe by the time you guys are hearing this, they'll be on console. I'm, I have my Xbox, man. Hit me up. Let's play. Anyways, speaking of hitting us up, dog, where can the people find us? All right, you can find us on Twitter of the at Red Diamond Cast. You can also find us on Facebook of the Red Diamond Courier. And you can join us in our ESO or Xbox Guild of Heirs of the Red Diamond, which you can find on the Robots Radio Discord, found on robotsradio.net. If you have any straight-up ESO questions, you can always go check out the ESO-hub.com, where they have a plethora of information, sets, pledges, what's in the golden this weekend, uh skills all kinds of fun stuff champion you know uh thing you can work on your cp test different percentages and stuff go check that out they are freaking awesome we have a link there in our show notes plus we have links to our merch store music producer all of our awesome sponsors that give us a kickback if you buy anything from telling you guys freaking awesome so go check all that out and if you got even more time and you leave us a review we will gladly shout it out on the podcast and it just makes our day honestly and we could use it you know <laughs> so thank you guys so much dog where can they hang out with you you can find me on xbox twitter and esopc all of at dog bark 24 and yeah, I'm pretty easy. 
pretty easy. It's going to be about the same for me, ESOPC, Twitter, and Twitch, all Bob underscore Chichinsky and Bob Chichinsky with the space on Xbox. So, yeah, come hang out. Let's do some dungeons. Play some PvP with the Gaze of Sithis that didn't get nerfed. And uh, go try out some of these new sets. And, yeah, all this other fun stuff. Thank you guys for hanging out with us again. Dog, thanks for stopping by. Yeah, it's been fun as always. And we will catch you guys all on the flip side. See you next week up in Tamriel. Yep, see ya.